welcome to the inaugural episode of Weird Comics History. My name is Reggie. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be here every week to bring you some weird comics history here on the Weird Science DC Comics blog.blogspot.com podcast. This week we're going to be talking about the DC explosion, and to do that we're going to have to go way, way back to 1976. Gerald Ford is in the, in the White House, and Watergate is already done and over with. Nixon is home, and uh, Yorba Linda sipping on his uh, daiquiri. Uh, the Bicentennial is in full swing, and a new person has been hired at DC Comics. Yes, her name is uh, Jeanette Kahn. She was brought in as a publisher. She was a uh, Harvard graduate who uh, went into uh, publishing on her own. She, uh, she uh, did a uh, magazine called Kids, which was uh, for kids by kids. Uh, the kids wrote the stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and it, was a, uh, it was a very uh, so, sort of relevant uh, yeah. uh, magazine. Uh, Probably very it. profitable, I have a feeling, since kids, you can, pay, sure. you can pay them very little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there were any label laws. Um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, wrote about diversity, uh, the environment, uh, all, all those uh, hot-button issues that are still, uh, still uh, around us today. Yeah, good job, kids. And, yeah, how about that? They, uh, they are the future. <laughs> and uh, she also did one uh, for uh, Scholastic called uh, Dynamite. Yeah. And uh, caught the eye of uh, DC. They brought her on in, and uh, this was during a time where they were getting regular price increases. Uh, we talk about the price increases now, and uh, I guess it seemed like back then, like every 14 or 15 months, there was a bit of a hike. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, and it, was, it was a war sort of between Charlton... Uh, Marvel and DC, just you know, to try to keep their price a nickel lower, you know, a dime lower as long as they could, and make a big stink out of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like still just twenty cents. Exactly, but it, it's only so long you can do that before you start, you know, losing big money. Absolutely, and uh, in order to uh, to kind of uh, circumvent any kind of backlash, uh, one of her first uh, one of her first things she did was uh, try to add pages to uh, to the higher selling books. Yeah, to counterbalance the the price increase, and uh, in those extra pages, they would do. Uh, sometimes they would just extend extend the extend the story, like in uh, Justice League, and other times they would do a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd have the high selling books with a kind of a second tier character uh, carrying up the back end, gives them a little bit more uh, gives them a little bit more visibility in the market as well. And uh, this was around the time that they they decided to, to work the uh, the DC explosion out where uh, they were trying to, as we were talking about the first time, they were trying to kind of vie for the uh, newsstand uh, market. That's right. You really got to understand that this time there was no direct market. There were not a lot of comics stores. Pretty much all comics were being sold on newsstands and through pharmacies and uh, whatever else, corner stores. Candy shop. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And these guys, they would oftentimes, they would order... You know, give me, you know, the new Batman, the new Superman, the new Spider-Man, whatever, and then fill in the rest with whatever the hell you got on hand. So, yes. yeah, Jeanette Kahn's idea was by increasing just the number of titles available, there was more the chance more to be in there. Yeah, more likelihood to get pulled. As a matter of fact, she said, uh, being in a more profitable format for the retailer, our comics should be a little easier to find. Most harder-to-find comics will get better distribution, which was her nice way of saying, we're going to try to flood the market <laughs> with, with products. And, uh, and they did. They, the others out. They fairly well did. I think they added something like uh, 16 new titles in 1975, 
21 in 1976, 12 in 1977. And uh, they had also split them up into different lines uh, for reasons that I'm not really sure why they did that. But uh, they had the superheroes line, which would be the people you'd expect, uh, Superman, Shazam, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, those, those core guys. Uh, Mystery Tales, which would have been House of Mystery and House of Secrets and probably whatever other Swamp Thing type tales. And then there was their fantasy line, their all-new adventure line, which was really a new thing for them trying to compete with Marvel's Conan. Um, yeah, a lot of swords and sorcery type of... Uh, yeah, exactly. It was it was definitely, uh, you know, barbarians and, and magicians and monsters and whatever. And, and uh, they had a few guys on there. Tor, uh, Beowulf had a, had a title. But Warlord is really the only one that uh, I know of that came through the other side. Uh, of the 70s and was popular still even into the 80s. Yeah, popular enough to spawn a few uh, spin-offs of his own uh, in uh, like Arion and I think Iraq. Yeah. Might have come out of that as well. Yeah. They also had uh, perhaps the strangest uh, imprint was the DC TV store, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, series um, where uh, there, there were a few uh, DC programs on television like there is today and uh, including Shazam, Isis and the have a popular super friends. Yep. They all had their own stories. Uh, curiously, uh, there was also a Welcome Back Kata uh, series. Yeah, perfect comic property for some reason. You would figure, correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that's an odd one. I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know the, 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 the train of thought behind that. No, I don't understand it at all. But uh, I, I do actually have one of those myself, as I mentioned the first time, written by Arnold Drake. Which is yes. really, which is the only reason I have it, but I do find it's, I kind of get a kick out of it. Uh, I do like uh, that they actually they actually speak with they they actually speak with their accents. Yeah, they in, do. in the book, which usually annoys me, but in 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 Kata, it's it's endearing. It's the, it's their best approx- approximation of Brooklynese in type. So you know, it's they the give Kata. A, they, <laughs> <laughs> up your nose with a rubber hose. What? Where? So. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, we move into 1978. It's a big year for DC. This is going to be the year that the first Superman movie is debuting, and uh, Warner Brothers is really lining up there, really you know, getting pumped up behind the comics. But in February of 1978, tragedy struck when a horrible blizzard uh, fell across the northeast coast and really stopped distribution for DC, and I would assume other periodicals as well, but... Uh, there were newsstands that couldn't get DC product after that for weeks and months. Really slowed things down. Uh, and for some reason, it's unclear to me why, but it seems like Warner Brothers got cold feet. And before this little uh, DC explosion uh, experiment had started, or really had really reached its full fruition, uh, Jeanette Kahn's full publishing plan, uh, they pretty much cut it off at the knees. They fired uh, two members of staff. And they cut the entire line down to I think what was it? They took off like a like a, somewhere between a quarter and a third of their line in like within a month. Yeah, and they, and they collapsed it down only to the most reliable heroes, Superman, Batman. Yes, <laughs> uh, that would have been cool. But uh, you know they they kept the western. They kept uh, probably the I remember the uh, horror comics going on into my young childhood. So they kept those around, but. A lot of these other comics, they went, they got cut. And a lot of comics that were already penciled or inked and waiting to be colored, they got canned also in mid-production, which is unusual. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they really just cut this thing off at the knees. 
Yeah, that's why they had to throw, uh, they threw some of them into that canceled comics cavalcade just in order to preserve the copyrights. That's right. Uh, you, you can't really, you can find copies of these online if you're interested. They are feature stories uh, of characters like Prez and the Green Team, and I think there's even... Uh, Shade the Changing Man. Shade the Changing Man is, is, on, is in there. Uh, might be a Firestorm as well. That's right. We 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 did forget forget to mention that Firestorm was part of this DC explosion. Also, this was also, I guess, when they must have acquired those Charlton characters like Blue Beetle and mm. Firestorm and Shade, and they were just giving them a spin. Uh, but all that kind of got wiped away, and DC really contracted for uh, quite a little while until 1980, when Marv Wolfman and George Perez began the new Teen Titans, which almost inarguably kickstarted DC again, and they became. Yeah, set the standard. Uh, exactly. They started to become more of the company that we would know going into the 80s, doing uh, you know runs by Alan Moore and classic authors like that. So uh, all's well that ends well. Uh, the last thing Chris and I wanted to talk about, though, was to contrast this to the new 52, because when that began, I thought it smacked of this whole DC explosion thing tremendously. Uh, even down to the way they were bringing out all these weird Bronze Age properties like Kirby's Fourth World. And, yeah, O'Mac uh, was in there. O- O'Mac had, had his own title. It wasn't too long before they actually did do a Green Team title. I think that <laughs> new, which was one of the weirder choices they ever made. Yes. Uh, it, it, it really was similar. You know, They increased the whole line to 52 titles. And I remember when uh, they were talking about all the great new things to come, that was one of them, that they were going to do 52 titles a month. And my thinking was... Who are they telling this to? You know, exactly. I, I don't want to buy fifty-two titles a month. I don't think my retailer wants to try to shift fifty-two titles a month from you know one publisher. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot to get someone to get, dive in on. <laughs> Even though we're in the direct market, uh, you know, we're we're shoulders deep in the direct market at this point. It's uh, it's still uh, shelf space is still somewhat of a premium. Oh sure, um, and uh, and DC is. Unfortunately, not the only publisher that's trying to flood the market these days. Oh, yeah. Well, now we're kind of seeing that again with Marvel, and it looks like DC's doing a Me Too event with Rebirth. It's, it's part of the, part, of the uh, part and parcel of the business, I guess. You know, you don't want to have too much image laying, lying around. But, Absolutely. you know, when, you, when your product is sort of thin... Uh, Just add some covers. It's not going to... Yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of... It's sort of Mess it up, uh, you know. The difference—the difference between the new Fifty Two and the DC Explosion, besides being in two different eras—is that one is, like you say, shoulders deep in the direct market. So it's no longer a matter of filling in the gaps of these uh, spurious, you know, catch-all, give me eighty whatever comics orders. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get people to buy. 52 issues of comics a month. And follow, absolutely. And follow all of them. And and that's very uh, ambitious. And you, selfish. <laughs> there is a, I, I agree with you. I agree that, that that is very selfish of you, especially when you're not going to make 52 titles worth following. You know, like yeah. that's, that's, that should be your first concern, is make a comic that if someone wants to buy every month. Uh, if you got that, then you got the hooks in them. Now you can start to uh, wiggle the line. But anyway, that's enough euphemisms for one episode <laughs> of Weird Comics History. Uh, we hope yeah, you've enjoyed it, and you, maybe you've learned something, or maybe you'll be able to tell us something. And you can do that by contacting me on Twitter at Reggie Reggie, or you can contact Chris. I'm at Ace Comics. On Twitter, and you can also check out Chris's blog. I implore you to check it out at chrisisoninfiniteearths.blogspot.com. He does a new review every day of a 
really weird comic, usually, where he's writing for uh, other websites, so you should definitely get on his tip and follow it. And uh, if you want to write hate mail or love mail, you can write it to this website, to this uh, podcast, whose email I've forgotten. But hopefully Jim will have mentioned it in the beginning. There's, there's, uh, a, there's a nice little envelope on the, on the website where you can just Exactly. That, that'll help you out. So you, since you won't be listening to this without the pod, that other podcast, you should be able to figure it out. Until next time, I'm Reggie. I'm Chris. And everybody stay weird. Here they come, hey, look out, jump into Justice League, the Justice League. Superheroes all always on the ball, it's the Justice League, the Justice League. It takes big trouble with a capital B, a super colossal calamity, a tremendous, stupendous catastrophe to bring them all out.